welcome to Digital Health Unplugged, keeping you up to date with all you need to know about the land of NHS technology and IT, of which there has been quite a lot of news lately. I'm Andrea Downey, Senior Reporter for Digital Health, and today we're going to be talking about collaboration between suppliers. Now, I knew that CCIOs and CIOs and CNIOs and everyone else in charge of making all of these decisions often talk to each other about what solutions have worked best for them and the technology that might be the right fit in their trusts. What I didn't realize was that suppliers are often doing the same and are speaking to each other about where the market is moving and the types of trends arising in the digital health industry. But you don't just have to take my word for it. I do have some experts joining us today to talk about the importance of that collaboration and how it can help the industry reach its full potential. We have with us David Hancock, Healthcare Executive Advisor for Intersystems and Vendor Co-Chair of Interopen. Hello there, everybody. And Daniel Natrath. Co-founder and Chief Executive of Ada Health, which provides an artificial intelligence-based app to help users better understand their symptoms. Hello, everyone. Thank you both so much for joining us today. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting discussion, so I'm looking forward to it. David, if I could start by asking you to tell us a little bit more about what Interopen is and why collaboration between suppliers is at the forefront of it. Well, thank you, Andrea. Um, Interopen is a group uh, made up of a number of stakeholders to drive the definition and adoption of interoperability standards. Interopen's name comes from interoperability and open standards, the joining together of those those, those two words. And uh, we are made up of suppliers, the service, um, actually, the uh, NHS arms length bodies, including NHS X, um, NHS Digital. Uh, we have um, CIO Network, CCIO Network, PRSB, HL7, IHE, um, OpenEHR. We have a, a whole range of, of, of representatives. And what we're trying to do is actually you know, not take over anybody's particular you know, job who thinks their job is in terms of defining standards, but it's to provide a community within which people can collaborate to be able to define standards that can be implemented and then drive the adoption of those standards because of far, far too often we have developed standards. And this is the same across healthcare around the world. You know, so this is not just an NHS thing, but we've developed standards, defined them, and they've essentially remained on the shelf or have not delivered the kinds of benefits that we've looked for. So what we want to be able to do is try and learn from that. And the way we, we believe the learnings from this are to be able to work together in defining standards, which we can actually implement and then drive the adoption through working with the service and suppliers in collaboration to be able to make sure they get used and get used properly. Mm. So I'm assuming that suppliers' input in those standards is is really important because at the end of the day, they're developing the products that will have to abide by these standards. Well, what we have to make sure is that the standards that get defined are standards which suppliers can actually adopt and, and adopt easily, which is why we are um, really interested that we stick as close to international standards as possible. After all, many of the um, suppliers to the NHS are, are international. And so if we're able to develop standards as close to international standards as possible, it means that international vendors don't then have to create local variants or, dare I say, NHS 
own, own standards, which becomes far more difficult for them to be able to incorporate into product, to maintain and update. And so we want to stay as close to international standards as possible. And, and, and now we have a very good international standard, though it is still early days for it, and this is HL7 of FIRE. I mean, we want to be able to uh, use that as an open standard to be allow us to be able to define interoperability across NHS and social care. Yeah, because I think the NHS is notoriously quite tricky to break into to suppliers, I think. So I think an international standard, um, just from speaking to different suppliers, um, seems very well supported. Daniel, you probably come at this from a slightly different angle because um, Ada is a startup and is also an app that's kind of put into the hands of patients rather than a system that's deployed across a whole hospital, for example. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience as a startup trying to break into the world of the NHS. Happy to do that, Andrea. Uh, so we consider ourselves the leading personal health companion globally. Um, and everyone can download it from either the iOS App Store or the Google Play Store. Uh, more than 10 million people globally have done that so far, more than a million people uh, in the UK. So a lot of people in the UK are already using our product. Uh, our purpose is really to improve human health by transforming knowledge into better outcomes. And the way it works is really simple. People can just have a conversation with an app like they would with their GP 24-7. And uh, this is a really uh, simple value proposition. Uh, at the end of the conversation, you get uh, basically an idea of what you might be uh, suffering from, what condition might be causing your symptoms, and also some advice on next steps to take. For instance, uh, going to the A&E, going to the pharmacy, uh, just staying at home, getting sleep, and anything in between. Um, and uh, with the NHS, uh, you know, we, we really... Uh, would like to do more work uh, with the NHS, and we think that uh, collaboration uh, is is really important. Uh, we have had interactions, and we've done some pilots uh, on a local level, uh, and we think that uh, collaboration will benefit everyone. Uh, and and standards, uh, international standards, to be applied uh, in partnerships with the NHS would be helpful for us, as we are uh, both a German and a British company. Uh, that's active globally. So um, if we can use the same standards in working with the NHS as we do in working with German health systems, with uh, US health systems, for instance, that will, of course, uh, make life, e life easier for everyone. Do you think that if those standards had already been in place and used um, as we are now, that Ada would have more input in the NHS or would, found, or would have found it easier to become involved with working with the NHS? Um, possibly. So I think part of it is uh, the tender process, which uh, isn't always entirely easy uh, to understand. Um, but uh, we're getting we're getting better at it, and uh, it's still a, a nascent uh, industry. And I think uh, all parties are learning, uh, both the digital health companies and the different stakeholders within the NHS itself. So we're quite hopeful that in the future, uh, hopefully, our solution will be used more and more in the NHS as well. Could, could I respond there just to what Daniel said? Because he has made such an important point, and that is about procurement. Because of when we're looking at the way in which systems need to work together, um, you would hope that in the, the, in the procurement, in the evaluation criteria of procurement, that this interoperability would be really, really high. 
particularly as we know from the um, um, survey things that, that digital health does, that interoperability is the CIO's kind of number one problem that they need to be able to solve. And it has been for a number of years. But we find time after time that interoperability is not there as a very high um, um, a high scoring part of the evaluation criteria. And because of people who are driving the procurements are often looking at the pure you know, features and functions of the area that they're looking at, rather than how well would this solution work within an architecture across a number of other different systems. So um, I think that that's a really important point. And I think that uh, um, the NHS, you know, does need to do a, to do a better job a better job of that, of being able to make sure that when we're defining, when requirements are being defined in procurements, that interoperability is not, not only stated as being important, but explained how, it, how it's important and why it's important to them. Yeah, interoperability is, um, is always the buzzword, isn't it? I think we talk about that a lot and it seems to, it, you know, it is the end goal. Um, but I guess this one's probably for both of you. What do you think needs to be done to improve that collaboration and sort of really drive forward that interoperability, um, both from a supplier's perspective, but also from an NHS perspective as well? Well, Andrea, I think um, looking at it uh, from from both ways, I mean, most suppliers um, definitely do want to collaborate. And I think that times have changed even even in the last three years where we are now seeing um, you know, all suppliers uh, wanting to be able to share uh, interoperability standards and, and, to, and to be able to work, to work together. And I think that, um, that that is very positive. And the reason why suppliers want to be able to collaborate is not only because of that is increasingly what, what, what they know the market and customers are demanding, it's because they also, from a selfish point of view, realize that if you can do use these standards, particularly for interoperability, it actually makes the cake bigger for all of us. And, you know, and, and it, once you realize that, then you believe that actually rather than locking people in, that actually doesn't help you. You actually want to be able to make the cake bigger and therefore you can begin to differentiate based on innovation, value and all those things which we as suppliers actually, actually want to do. So I think on the one hand, we kind of got we've got the collaboration because they want the standards to be able to work. because It's in all our interests to, um, to do it. Um, I think that um, certainly we're seeing. Um, increased the desire for increased collaboration across the service as well and covid has absolutely has absolutely driven this but i think that when we want to get to look at how we still share data i think um you know sharing data even during covid has still proved to be a little problematic and that's simply because of the um organizations that needing to share that data still perhaps don't quite have enough trust between them to be able to do it. It's because of, you know, trust is things that need to be be developed over time. They need to be earned. And, um, you know, so that in itself is still causing a few issues when we're looking to see how we can share data during COVID. But the it, overall, it is definitely getting getting better. 
And I'm very optimistic that with more and more integrated care systems being, you know, um, uh, being uh, coming into uh, coming into to place between now and uh, uh, April 2021, that will also mean their behaviour will get better and we'll be able to see uh, even better sharing of information. I wanted to add to a point David was making about trust. Uh, I totally agree with this point. I think digital health will only achieve its full potential once it has gained the trust of not only patients, but also clinicians and policymakers. And uh, building and earning this trust is a challenge that can only be met collectively and collaboratively. No one company can do it alone. It will require the whole industry and all stakeholders to come together. But trust is also uh, related to the topic of medical quality and medical accuracy. And uh, we think that specific to what we do, there is a need to have certain objective benchmarking criteria of what medical quality, clinical safety and accuracy means. Uh, and we are involved uh, as the topic leader in an initiative by the World Health Organization in partnership with the International Telecommunications Union, uh, which is called AI for Health. Uh, and the aim of AI for Health is to bring all stakeholders together to establish a clear method for standardized benchmarking of AI-powered solutions in healthcare so that anyone anywhere can have access to quality, quality healthcare. And uh, we think this is really important because otherwise uh, there's a danger that uh, some industry players make promises uh, they cannot live up to and the whole industry would uh, be affected negatively by this. So uh, we think trust is important and therefore uh, quality benchmarking is also important. I'm um, really interested that you mentioned policymakers, Daniel, because um, I wanted to ask both of you, is this sort of collaboration and trust something that should be led from the supplier side of things? Is this something that should be led by the NHS or is this something that regulators need to be um, pushing for as well so that there is a set way of doing things when it comes to developing digital health technologies and interoperability standards? Well, Andrea, I mean, it's interesting that when Interopen actually started, Interopen was a supplier-only forum, if you go back go back far enough. Um, and it was only as it sort of went through its early stage development that when um, NHS arms length bodies, such as NHS um, England, NHS X didn't exist then, NHS England and NHS Digital were aware of it, it suddenly thought, Actually, this is a really great thing, which if we work with it in the right way, could, you know, could be the way in which we're able to not only define standards, but actually land them and, um, and, get, and get them adopted. So um, I think that um, the um, I, I, I think that people realize that that it is through suppliers that the most of this, uh, these standards get implemented. Or anybody who develops systems, it's 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 not the central agencies who actually has to implement them. So therefore, the the suppliers do need to be um, a part of it and need to be given a certain amount of, um, of, of of headroom. If I just give you an example of something that we're um, we're working on Interopen right now, um, Interopen runs 
a, a number of hackathons, and we tend to do them every every couple of months, where we pick a particular subject, and we get a number of suppliers together, and we try and show how we can successfully exchange information around around certain things. We've done things uh, re, um, recently around, for example, medications, and other things around um, looking at doing things around um, identity. What was voted on as being the sort of the next most important area for us to work on was care plans. And this is clearly a very, very important area, particularly the multidisciplinary team kind of care plans. But the thing is, is that right now there are no standards out there, certainly uh, in the UK or really defined to the level of detail, to allow us to be able to run to do this, to, to exchange this information. So what suppliers are doing right now between now and when the hackathon is run, which is sometime towards the end of November, is we're going to develop a core set of standards, which we believe we can work with, which we will then try and use at the hackathon to be able to show what, what, what we can exchange. And that's sort of supplier, that's su su supplier led. And what we want that to therefore be is something which can, well, it works, it's good enough, um, it will be improved over time, but that's something we can start with because we do not want to let the, 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 the seeking perfection to prevent us actually making some progress. Yeah, to your question, Andrea, about uh, whether this should be led from suppliers or needs to be led more from regulators, uh, my answer would be it needs to equally come from both sides, uh, collaboration between uh, regulators or the government and the industry is just as important as collaboration within the industry itself. Uh, I mentioned before our um, our work with the WHO, which is a good example of public bodies working with private companies to ensure better regulation and benchmarking. And we're also involved in some other encouraging developments. For instance, recently ADAS Medical Safety Lead contributed to the development of new AI-specific extensions to the CONSORT, which is Consolidated Standards of Reporting Trials, and SPIRIT, Standard Protocol Items Recommendations for Interventional Trials, statements which are intended to set new reporting standards for clinical studies on AI tools. So by standardizing the way we conduct clinical research in AI, we can compare different tools and thereby help clinicians and patients decide which is the best tool for them to use in a particular situation, and thereby we foster collaboration between providers and regulators. It really needs to be a dialogue that uh, is open from both sides. So how often are suppliers actually talking to each other? Is this something that is uh, new? Is this something that needs to be driven a little bit more? Or has this something that's been happening for a, you know, a really long time? So, so we're constantly, uh, Andrea, we're constantly in conversations with uh, other suppliers uh, as we're active in several markets. Um, we're uh, involved in an association of digital health companies here in, in, in Germany where uh, 80 digital health companies actually got together uh, as there's a new law uh, coming into effect where digital health apps can be reimbursed uh, very much like drugs. Uh, so this presents a great opportunity for uh, digital health companies and we've gotten together as, as an industry to uh, align our interests uh, on that one. But also, uh, as we're also a, a British company with one British co-founder, uh, I was kindly invited to accompany um, Matt Hancock on a recent trip uh, to Asia. Uh, and there were 20 other uh, digital health companies from the UK, which was great for 
getting to know each other and uh, understanding the solutions of others and even uh, evaluating potential collaborations. So uh, since then, we've actually been in, in constant dialogue with some of the founders who were also on that trip. It's really interesting that you mentioned that um, health apps will be um, eligible for reimbursement, almost like, like medications. Um, is that part of a national drive to sort of, in, in, what's the word I'm looking for, drive like uh, the uptake of digital solutions and encourage people to use the technologies that have, is available? Yes, Andrea, that's exactly it. Um, the idea is to encourage more use of digital tools and also to help build an ecosystem not just in Germany, but beyond Germany and open up Germany as a market for this, where digital health suppliers uh, can find a way to get their solutions reimbursed and thereby uh, sort of encouraging more innovation in this space. Um, and at the same time, at the same time, there are also certain incentives for providers uh, to actually have a drive towards more digitalization and uh, it's an it's an open market. It's not only open to German digital health companies, but to anyone who uh, wants to offer their solutions to the German market. And I think that's the right way to do it because at the end of the day, it should be about what's the best solution for patients, not about where uh, the company that builds the solution is headquartered. And I think uh, it would be great if the NHS uh, could adopt a similar mindset. David, is there anything like that happening here? Well, no, um, not, not, not. I don't believe is in, in the same way as um, Daniel's described in Germany with the, that change in German law, which is a which is a huge a huge change. Um, and I know that um, I have many um, colleagues who work in like you know in the um, remote monitoring kind of telehealth kind of space, and it's been a hard slog for them quite frankly over the last at least 10 years you know to be able to um, um to take their solutions forward because if there hasn't been that same kind of um, um incentive uh, uh to be able to be able to take them on but i think i just wanted to go back to what daniel's saying about the need for the for the ecosystem because of that absolutely um, is something which is reflected um amongst suppliers of the NHS as I as I said before why are we why are we collaborating well we're collaborating because we know it makes the, the, the cake bigger which is which is what's important um, for for all of us as, as well as being the right thing to do for the NHS and social care but if I just, if I go in my experience based on how much do suppliers sort of talk to each other well you know we have tech UK which is the industry body that you know represents um, um, technology, particularly to uh, to government and what have you, and um, on the Health and Social Care Council, where we have a whole range of different um, suppliers, and we absolutely talk to each other and try and um, achieve everything for for, um, for a common good for us. Interopen, um, I'm the Tech UK representative as well as being the vendor co-chair, and there we collaborate an awful lot. And even there, I've um, instigated. Um, weekly calls with my other um, vendor representatives and that means that um, you know myself and uh, representatives from Systems C GraphNet, Cerner and Orion Health we have a weekly call about how we can collaborate 
to be able to drive the agenda forward. I think that's a pretty that sends a pretty big statement as to how much we want to be able to work together um, to be able to um, take interoperability and open standards forward. Um, you know, in the NHS and social care. To be honest, David, you had me at cake. Um, everyone always has me at cake, so I've been listening intently. Um, I guess the next question that that leads me on to, though, is where are we on the journey of, you know, developing these standards for digital health solutions? Are we still at the very early stages or we are, are we almost at a point where we have those standards in place and we are going to be able to drive innovation a little bit quicker? Well, for, um, for me, Andrea, the thing is, is that in the area that I look at around interoperability, um, standards are all should always be evolving because of, we need to be able to, they need to be able to answer different questions over time because the questions that get asked of them will change as, as, as the needs and, re- and requirements change. So the important thing is, have we got things in place which allow us to be able to start on that journey? And we've got some things. Um, is the whole thing there? Absolutely not. Um, are there things we urgently need? Um, definitely. I mean, I've talked about, for example, care plans, and it's something we, we, we don't have and we, we, ha- we haven't got um, across the NHS and social care in terms of a standard for ex- ex- exchange of information around them. But um, do we have the organisation and um, organisations in place to be able to make that happen? Well, yes, we do. Do we have the governance in place to be able to do that? I don't believe we've got all the governance yet, but we have all the pieces to put that together. So I think that we're in a far better place than we even were, um, you know, uh, two years ago. And I'm confident that moving forward, you know, we'll be able to develop this further and say we're in a far, far better place than we than we've ever been before. Daniel, as someone that's working, obviously, in Germany, but also in England and uh, in the UK, is there a stark difference between the way that the countries operate? Um, and, you know, how would you explain that, I guess, is, is my question. Yeah, I think there's some some differences, uh, which uh, are to some extent a result of uh, the fact that uh, in the UK with the NHS, you have a very large uh, single payer system uh, that's uh, mostly tax funded. Whereas uh, in Germany, there's a combination of private and public health insurance. Um, But uh, ultimately, what I see in both countries is that um, there is a drive towards uh, making healthcare more digital. There is a drive towards um, collaboration with uh, the digital health industry from a a regulator side. Um, And there is, I believe, an increasing willingness on the provider side to adopt digital solutions. Uh, I believe it's still, uh, we're still at an early stage with regard to some of that, uh, but in a strange way, of course, the pandemic uh, has accelerated some of this, these developments where, for instance, um, telehealth solutions have been um, uh, adopted uh, in a way within uh, less than a year that probably wouldn't have happened in several years if not for the pandemic. And I think the important thing now will be uh, to look beyond just uh, telehealth and look at uh, other tools which can improve uh, patient outcomes, uh, accelerate uh, getting people to the right diagnosis faster, 
Uh, and I am strongly convinced that uh, regardless of the system or the country, uh, if you see that there's already a million people using a digital health tool such as ADA, which can bring benefits to uh, either system uh, by directing users to the most appropriate care, supporting overburdened health workers, uh, and while simultaneously improving disease management and prevention. I think uh, regardless of whether it's a single payer system or a system like in Germany, uh, the benefits are fairly obvious. And therefore, I would encourage regulators to look at ways to um, accelerate adoption, uh, while, of course, making sure that uh, standards are upheld and uh, uh, that uh, there's a fairly rigorous evaluation of quality and uh, clinical safety. Uh, it's, it's in the interest of everyone that uh, the best solution gets chosen for the patients in either country uh, wherever it comes from. And uh, I would wish that uh, regulators really um, place much more of an emphasis on medical accuracy and clinical safety uh, without uh, purely relying on uh, possible political connections or, uh, or where the solution comes from. So, David, I have one final question for you before we run out of time in the recording. Um, what is the end goal for Interopen and what are you hoping that members are going to be able to achieve by joining that collaboration? Well, um, by joining the collaboration, um, they will be able to um, help be able to shape you know, the interoperability which is being um, going to be defined developed and implemented across the NHS and social care. And if you have a chance in shaping it, you know, that's clearly going to be, be good for you as, as, as a supplier. One of the other things it also does, it means that as we're actually co-producing these standards, you know, so it's made up of the suppliers with the likes of NHS Digital and NHS X, because we're going to be because we're co-producing these standards, it means they're going to get early sight of what it's going to look like, what's it like to be, how big or how small. Therefore, how do you, how are we going to plan to get this into our development roadmap? What's the impact on our product or products? You know, what do we need to do? And then how can we plan to get them implemented rather than waiting for them to be handed down like on tablets of stone from, um, from the center and who, attend, who then tell you just go implement and um, go and make it work. So these things are all, you know, give far, far greater benefit when you can be part of the co-production of these. The other thing you can do is actually test them out in the hackathons. And that's also really important because only when developers get their hands on them, on the standards and start to use them, do we actually really see, do they work? Do they, are they implementable? And that's also really important because if we want to be, if we're going to fail, we need to fail fast so we can learn from it and then improve it and, um, and, and continuously improve it. And, and that's really what Interopen is going to, to provide for, um, for, for suppliers who, who, who join it. It's to be able to um, be part of that. And, you know, joining, joining is still free. You, you do not have to pay to be a member of Interopen. So I think that's also, you know, there's nothing to be lost really from anybody, any company that wants to be able to join it. I think in terms of what we want to achieve, you know, it's really about 
the successful adoption of interoperability standards that work for the NHS and social care. You know, we can go on about defining standards, but defining them are for nothing if they don't get adopted. For us, it's all about how we successfully adopt them. So it really does sound like um, the success of joined up care and interoperability uh, really needs to come from everyone, not just suppliers, but also uh, with collaboration across the NHS as well. Um, well, David and Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on Digital Health Unplugged. It's been a pleasure hearing from you. And to all of our listeners at home, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, we publish fortnightly on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. So please do give us a follow on any of those platforms to keep up to date with everything we are doing. As always, we're also really keen to hear from our listeners. So if you do have any suggestions, please drop us a line on podcast at digitalhealth.net. That's it for this episode and we will catch you in a few weeks.